Okay, what's this episode's cold open? Um, Probably Alec Baldwin playing Trump. <laughs> but, but I was going to do an imitation, but I can't <laughs> do an imitation of either. Did we so both go there? Was that... No. no. Oh. <laughs> I was going to just I, say how tired I am. <laughs> so, Well, let's just get it going then. It's Saturday night. <laughs> Watch on the process beginning to end. Talking shop with your musical friends. Austin and Mitch. Austin and Mitch. Write a musical. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back to Austin and Min Write a Musical. The podcast. I'm Min. <laughs> and I'm Austin. <laughs> you mean the podcast as opposed to the film. Which we've said this joke before in the oh, past episode, no. it's, I think. It's been too long. <laughs> it has been. So the previous episode, I believe at this point, was like seven weeks ago. Oh, you're revealing the, the trade secrets. I feel like we're, we're not trying to hide anything yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Transparency is the name of the game. So what's been happening in the in-between time? Oh, so many things. <laughs> um, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe not that many things for me. Um, I'm yeah. writing stuff for other projects yeah um and you i believe are also writing things for other I projects also writing and... things i was away for four weeks and i wanted you to come visit so we could actually work on the piece but yeah, it didn't happen it didn't it's happen okay i i felt a, I felt a little okay with it and then it seemed like there was some like uh like some road work prevented uh <laughs> me from coming down certain days there was um, something weird like that happened the week that we had planned on you being there. But I was at a four-week residency called Jurassic where I was just with other artists, and we got to like think and write and yep. eat and be in nature. I saw deer every day. It was really You saw nice. a deer every day? No, I saw day? five deer every day. It was like a family. <laughs> it was a fa- the stupid word deer that you can't tell if it's plural or singular. Wait, singular. But you saw a group of five deer? They would just make their rounds eating breakfast and dinner every day. And they, uh, Are you sure it wasn't there... one deer that you just saw multiple times? Um, they were together. Oh. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that qualifies. Um, and then there was this one cow loose on the grounds as well that didn't belong to Jurassi, but the neighboring ranch. Wait, so the he deer was... belong to Jurassi? No, not belong oh. to, but like they are expected to be I there. I see, sure. But this cow wasn't supposed to. Anyway. A renegade cow. Yeah. I well, worked on... Sounds like this retreat was really exciting. It was filled with animals. I found a frog in my shower and, uh... Um, How large of a frog? Tiny. It was like, really cute. Like, a. Like, fit on a finger? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, maybe not that small. Maybe, like, two fingers. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, and while I was there, I didn't really do much work because it was a lot more contemplative, which I hadn't... I knew it was going to be contemplative to a degree, but I hadn't anticipated how much. But I was able to work on one of my upcoming shows, Gold, the Midas Musical, which we just did a workshop this week. So it was Jurassic. Oh, then I went, <laughs> then I went to Harvard... Cause oh, I was, in, <laughs> I was invited to uh, give a talk. Oh, as well, <laughs> as, well as a, a master class and visit some classrooms, and it was really cool. Min, did you know that Harvard is considered by many to be one of the top universities in the United States? I didn't. Yeah, that's true. It's a big deal. That's I'm really proud that you. Pretty awesome. I'm really proud of you. That you I just thought it was some Harvard. random community. No, college. it's like many people consider it the best one. That 
that feels a bit much. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I w- I'm very well aware. I grew up in an Asian household. <laughs> so Harvard was hailed as a end goal, end game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For my life. But, um, and of course my mom. Well, so you did it. You're, you did it. My mom knew exactly where I was going when I told her about this trip. <laughs> she was like, oh, it was almost like, oh, this art stuff. Yeah. No. <laughs> it finally paid off. You finally got yeah. to go to Harvard. So it's been a crazy few weeks. And now we are actually able to record again. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there any stories? Well, no. Before we get to that, I think because we've talked about this off mic just before, uh, because of our projects right now, this particular show, we may not have as much time to actually work on Proxima. Yeah, sorry. The show, the musical that is in the title of Austin and Men Write a Musical. That musical that we're talking about. Yes, yeah. that Proxima musical. Um, and because of that, we're thinking, well, we still, uh, you know, we still can record episodes. So uh, perhaps in the future, some of these episodes might address some of the projects we're working on elsewhere because mm-hmm. honestly, we're just working and then we'll find time to actually get to writing more of Proxima. But in the meantime, uh, maybe we can just share what is actually going on. Yeah. So um, for this episode, we do have some Proxima stuff to talk about Yes. Uh, that we will talk about, I guess, a little bit later. Yeah. Any stories that you're engaged with I, or I don't, art? I don't think so. I'm listening what? to... I mean, just like nothing's really my jam right now. TV is coming back. It's the fall. Yeah. So, like, Bob's Burgers is back on and uh-huh. all my favorites. The Good Place. Oh, yeah. Are you um, watching that? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But it's one of those shows we can't talk about because if you haven't seen it, then we're going to spoil yeah. it. So, so, you should watch it. Not a good podcast show. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm listening to... Uh, the the way of kings by brandon sanderson is that a, is a fiction it's a yeah it's a sci-fi fantasy book uh-huh. and i'm listening to it it's very long i i keep listening to these audiobooks and i think that maybe i you at one point early on in the podcast you recommended uh an audiobook as like a non-fiction book as an audiobook yeah and i Got really, I really enjoyed all of the nonfiction books that was I that listened algorithms to. Algorithms book, yeah, which enjoyed I that finished. one. Finally, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed uh, Robert Sapolsky's Behave as an audiobook. and now I've been doing these fiction books, and I, I don't Can't do it. It's just they're read too slow, even though it's compellingly read. Like it's no fault of the of the performer, but. It's just like, I'm just sitting there listening to descriptions of things, and I'm like, I could really be flying through this if I was uh I think I'm reading. probably similar. There's something about the nonfiction that just feels like a podcast. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> but if it's a fiction, it's like, oh, I really want to pay attention so yes. I get all of the nuance and narrative threads. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, for me, this has already come out, but I'm finally able to watch it is Fargo season three. Oh, I haven't. Uh, yeah. We need to watch that. Uh, did we, you watch I mean, one and two? I mean, me and my wife, um, we're married. We already yeah. talked about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we watched season one and two and really liked it. Yeah. And then season three at the time was like too hard to find. We oh. like tried to watch it on the FX website, and we have like a login for that, but it was like a little buggy, and we couldn't figure it out. <laughs> well, now it's on Hulu. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, Ewan McGregor uh, plays two brothers, mm-hmm. so he's doing double duty in it. But yeah, I'm only a, on episode three, which is a thing that's happening on TV now. Like multiple he, characters. Yeah, he Ewan McGregor did that in Fargo, and um, who's that? James Franco is doing it on HBO's The Deuce. Oh. Um, there was Orphan Ma- Black, where she plays all the characters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to give that show a try. I haven't I, watched it. I've only seen bits and pieces. I, I, during the first season, everybody was raving about it, and it was on Amazon at a time that I don't think I had Prime. Mm. Uh, and now that I do have it, it's like... <laughs> it's one of those shows where like all my friends that were really into it, like by the time that it hit like the third season or whatever, I guess it really went off the rails. Mm-hmm. And now that I like know that, I don't really want to get invested oh. in the first season, but yeah, I should I feel get you. over it. I feel you. Um, I want to just mention I saw Allegiance last night here at a local theater company called Contra Costa Civic. And I saw the film version that they released in cinemas like last i think it was last year or two years ago like the simulcast yeah except it wasn't live sure it was just you know the distributed um and i actually think it's stronger live great ultimately and i wonder if it's also stronger as an intimate show because the theater contra costa civic theater is pretty small Mm -hmm. it's not like a huge proscenium 400 no 800 whatever i'm bad at numbers <laughs> 800 <laughs> but, is more than but because of that the right <laughs> because of that i could i felt like i was able to engage more with the characters and honestly maybe it was some of the directing and the performances i saw but um i found it very engaging but also what was meaningful to me was in the opening number i saw on stage a whole bunch of people because it's an asian american cast that i've worked with and because i've written shows that have performed in my shows Mm -hmm. so i was like already cheering up just by virtue of seeing all those folks on stage because it's like all these people and i was in the audience with a few friends some of whom are also asian american actors that have been in my shows so it was this moment of like oh my gosh they're all here i yeah I like the idea that you get emotional just seeing people who have been in your shows be in other shows. It was. <laughs> well, it's also because it's like generational. Yeah, and yeah Like, yeah. you know, generational as far as shows go, where it's like, this person was in the first Nightingale, this person was in the second Nightingale, mm-hmm. this person was in Four Immigrants, and this person, I literally just worked with him, Vin, who was part of the Midas uh, Gold reading. Um, so it was just cool. Yeah. It was like my... my theater history laid out before me in an Asian American musical. But, um... I've heard great things about the show. Uh, this particular production. Yeah, yeah. At CCCT. Yeah, and our colleagues, my friends, Lily Tung Crystal and Mei Liang, uh, directed. So... Yeah. By the time this episode goes up, I imagine it will probably be closed. Well, it closes today right now as we're... (laughs) They just closed, like, two hours ago, so... Sorry! (laughs) That's, well, that's what happens when you do a theater podcast that's not in New York. This yeah, runs are so. this week on the Good Place. They <laughs> discovered a door. So we have another international email. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only kind I read, yeah. and it's the second one we've gotten. So, well, that's not two true. of two. <laughs> no, our, our friend not. Adam also emailed us that one. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> So but, this, but please, next time, move overseas. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. Or just go north to Canada. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. 
Anyway. Move over land. Over land or seas. Over borders. Uh, This email comes from Sarah, and she says, Hi, I'm a musical theater lover in the UK and would like to write a musical one day. Woohoo! I added the woohoo. Oh. Really into Hamilton and Dear Evan Hansen right now, but Rent changed my life when it hit the UK when I was 12 slash 13. I saw it once a month, wow, till it closed on the West End. I guess I'd like to write a musical about eating disorder recovery. Tricky, right? She says that in parentheses. Tricky, right? But I'm not really a musician, more of a poet. Might collaborate with my little bro who's been in musical theater properly as he went to Arts Ed MT School in London. He's called Oliver, and he was actually Oliver in the West End when he was little. Wow. Then then his voice broke, as happens. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) She says... Uh, can't wait to hear from you guys again. Your musical concept sounded fab and great to hear how you can approach it. The videos someone has done on how Hamilton works have been really useful too on how the music itself tells the story. So you might like them too if you haven't seen them already. And just on that last point, I met Howard Ho who makes those videos. (gasps) So I was able to email Sarah back and say, tell her the crazy story of like, I literally just met Howard Ho when you sent the email, and I'm going to be on a panel with him at this conference that we did in August. So it was just a weird confluence of events. Yeah. But anyway, um, great. We're glad to know you're listening. Uh, best wishes on all of your endeavors in writing a musical, a tricky musical about eating disorder recovery, which I'm sure is doable. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah. And sounds compelling. Yeah. I'm excited about that, that idea. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> Yeah, um, and yeah, I would not let uh, I would not let not being a musician stop you from pursuing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're uh, like we do all three, but that's not necessarily how it has to be. And in fact, most of the time, it's not that way. So, yeah. finding a, co- a composer to collaborate with, I think it's hard to write a musical if you don't. If you're unable to like conceive of a song in your head, I could mm. be wrong. I could, well, so like, there are plenty of instruments that I don't know how to play, and I'm often writing songs for, for, yeah, instrumentation that I or in styles that I don't know. But it, and but like that part you can figure out mm-hmm. with computers and with friends and with other people, but um. I guess I don't know what I would do if I like couldn't even think of what that song would be. Yeah, I mean, it's also I think uh it's finding a collaborator who's really excited about your idea. Yeah. And then being open to sharing that idea. Mm-hmm. Um so even if you can't generate the songs, if you have somebody who's really excited about it and knows how musical theater songs work, then they can definitely contribute to that and then you work together. Yeah. But if you're listen- if you're watching Howard's videos as well, like he goes pretty thick into like the music theory side uh-huh. of what is happening in Hamilton. So the fact that you're watching that, well, he also makes it accessible, so that's nice. But the fact that you're watching that shows that you have this interest beyond just being fascinated by Hamilton. It's like you want to see how it's constructed. So you know, maybe, yeah, maybe you'll learn from that. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to see this musical and whenever it's done. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. So, Proxima. Yeah. 
Um, the show that we're working on. The show that we're working on. Uh, we thought it would be a good idea to kind of go over some of the things we talked about in one of those, uh, I don't know what you call it. We took those time, those sessions together to yeah. essentially lock ourselves in a room. Oh, yeah. We didn't actually lock it, but... Uh, but we could have. We could have. Yeah, we very well could have. Uh, had We've... our own little saw moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we locked ourselves in the room and we solved dangerous puzzles. <laughs> Just in time. Yeah. And then, the, I don't want to spoil the ending of Saw. Anyway, I was going to say something, but <laughs> Oh I my won't. god, yeah. Oh, really dodged a bullet there. <laughs> um. Yeah, so we, in our first time doing that, we talked a lot about who these characters are, so we thought it would be kind of fun to finally share with you all who are our characters, at least as they stand right now. Yeah, as they currently are. Yeah. Um. So, uh, as I believe we've talked about on the show, Proxima is going to be about uh, two people who form a relationship through an online game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are the real life people and their, their avatars, um, the real life people, should we start with, uh, Berkeley? Yeah. Uh, so one of them is named Berkeley Park, um, in this <laughs> current, uh, iteration, um, Asian American, Korean American. Yeah. Yeah. I think Park. Yes. And, uh, we thought it'd be fun if he also perhaps goes by Burke mm-hmm. for short. Yep. Everybody's got to have casual nicknames because people do in real life. <laughs> and then we thought it would be kind of funny if he ended up going to Stanford. Yeah. Uh, for those who may not know, Berkeley and Stanford are rival universities. Yeah. Um, so what if he was named Berkeley with these you know, aspirations put upon him by his parents of sorts of like, you're going to be this Berkeley grad. Um, but he doesn't get into Berkeley and he gets into Stanford, which is actually, you know... Some, I don't know if you know this, man, but Stanford is considered one of the top American universities. <laughs> Some even put it up there with Harvard. What? Yeah. No. I know. I thought it was just some random... No, it's it's a big deal. Like, I thought it was a... a... Some call it the Ivy of the West. I thought it was an after-school club. <laughs> it's that, too. Um, yes. So... Yeah, I mean, I think it's even, you know, they're obviously Berkeley, Stanford, they're rivals, so they're comparable. Like, he's he shouldn't feel weird about going to Stanford, but I think he does. That, sure. Like, he I mean, there's a lot of uh, imposter syndrome or um, yeah. uh, even just, well, like, as you said earlier in the podcast, like, uh, for a lot of kids, um, I think getting into a top university is the end game. Mm-hmm. Like, that is what you do, and then you're there, and yeah. it's like, now what? Yep. Um, which I think is where this character probably lives, yeah. uh, in sort of a space of, um, he's talented, but unsure of what to do with his life. Um, yeah, and we wrote, like, blending into the talent around him, so mm-hmm. he, you know, when you go to a university like Stanford, all of a sudden you're with all of these kids who were at your level at their respective high schools and he we've made him a cs major so there's computer science be, for those yes. not in the yes acronym no <laughs> not uh circus i couldn't think circus fast enough. I'm tired. circus sports major yeah. um but because of that he's also then struggling with some of uh identity 
issues mm-hmm. as far as who is he in the midst of all these other talented people, as well as other talented um, uh, Asian Americans around him. Although we did make him a Bay Area person, so maybe that's less of a thing. But we did also make him a middle child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we uh, said, what if his older sibling, probably a brother, was a superstar kind of model child, mm-hmm. um, maybe was named a university and he actually went to that university. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, and beneath uh, Berkeley is Berkeley the character is this younger sister who is uh really cool and yeah. like alternative artsy yeah yeah has um, like gone the other way not worried about expectations yeah but, but in that vein been very successful very successful like, so he's yeah so Burke is actually tr- kind of sandwiched between these two superstars yeah 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 um, so his whole life has kind of been an identity uh questioning journey Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with CS major, just there's a lot of that happening. Yeah. It's especially Silicon Valley's Stanford, nearby. Yeah, yeah Silicon it's, Valley's it's nearby. It's become like the reason you go to Stanford, and so then you are again one among many people yeah. doing that. Um, yeah. So that's roughly Burke uh-huh. in a nutshell. I think one other thing that I am interested in exploring is his awareness of the privilege that he has mm-hmm. in these positions, both as a male, as a uh, person who's able to attend Stanford, mm-hmm. um, as well as some of that like dilemma of being a quote unquote model minority. And so the level of privilege that Asians can achieve mm-hmm. compared to other minorities. Um, so there's a lot of kind of flux and, uh, being like in the middle of identities with yeah. with this character, and so that could feed into why he wants to play Proxima um, to yep. create this proxy, this other identity, this self that he can pretend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, opposite uh, Burke is Tess. Tess, um, who uh, is older. Ben Burke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're saying like late thirties, maybe. Yeah. Um, and uh, ooh, currently we have her in Kansas City, but I don't know that that <laughs> is necessarily going to be a thing that sticks. It. I think the idea though is counterpoints to Burke. Yeah. Is Burke is in a coastal city or coastal area, and so Kansas City felt central, but still a city. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, but it could switch to another Midwestern yeah. middle of the country. Which is also not to say, like, that the Midwest is, I don't know, a, a counterpoint to the coast. Just yeah. something different than... Yeah. Don't want them both, like, don't want San Francisco and L.A. Yeah, not, a, not necessarily a counterpoint of, like, any standards, but to this character. Yeah. To Burke and vice versa. Yeah. For Tess. Uh, just somebody who would be... Um, you know, different on a lot of different levels. Yeah, and um, she is sort of locked into a a life that she's built mm-hmm. um, with her husband, um, who is named something, Lucas? I can look it up. I, I think, think his Lucas. name is Lucas. Yeah. Um, and he's a yeah, chef. Lucas. Yeah, What She, oh, we weren't sure what she does, right? We haven't landed on what she does, but we talked about her being working to middle class. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, has a job, has a career even. Um, both she and her husband are working a lot. I don't think they have kids yet, but are that's a thing that's discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also kind of at the point where, like, if you are going to have kids, now is when that should happen. Yeah. So there's that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have that she doesn't necessarily want kids. Yeah. And um, perhaps Lucas, her husband, does. And so that might be a point of conflict, contention. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just something to sort of like strain that relationship so that um, her relationship with Burke doesn't just sort of come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I I think that's a that's a relatively fair portrait of each of them at least like yeah. at the start of the show. I think the other, I mean the other thing for her to mention is that she. It's there's this sense perhaps that life has happened to her, mm-hmm. and um, so she, and and she doesn't necessarily hate it. Yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. like a, I wish my life was different. It's more like life is happening. It's kind of set. It's on a pattern now, um, and maybe she uses the game to change that up. Yeah, versus Burke who. His life is yet to happen. It's yeah. before him, and some of that fear creeps in, and so he uses the game to kind of mimic stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, both are escaping from situations, but mm-hmm. those situations are different. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we could talk about is that their uh, avatars, or we call them proxy, in yeah. the game Proxima, um, we thought it would be interesting if Tess more or less presents herself uh, closer to her actual mm-hmm. identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we're pretty open as far as the ethnicity of Tess, but she we landed on um, she's African American and married to Lucas, who is Latino, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, Again, just as just there's a contrast for our two lead characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so she presents herself. I think we wrote down. Oh yeah, uh, black female Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that. Her avatar is this adventurer type. Yeah. Uh, in game, but she let. But she's honest about her name as well. Her her avatar name is Tess something. It could have numbers. I don't know. Yeah. However, Burke, in game, presents himself as a woman, mm-hmm. and. I I said maybe she's like Bayonetta, who's this video game character, um, but like a spy slash assassin, um, sort of a, a more fantastical, um, definitely, yeah, yeah, uh, and so that they're you know that it's reflective of the reasons why they're in game is mm-hmm. Burke is is definitely wanting to. Uh, escape these pressures that are looming before him and what would his life be like if he were a completely different person versus Tess who's in game is what if life were just a little more adventurous, less routine. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think the other two characters we talked about were Lucas, who we already kind of dreamed. That's because I read dreamer uh, (laughs) who we already kind of talked about, but he he not only is a chef, he owns a restaurant, is what we wrote. Sure. Um, and he's more of a dreamer. He wants kids and famous, famacy, family and legacy is important to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe less important to Tess. 
And then kind of as a uh, character for Burke to interact with is his younger sister, Cassie, uh, who is, we already described, this confident go-getter artist type who doesn't conform to the system but is really finding success in what she does. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of our characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I'm excited. Uh, they... Everybody, at least in my mind, I don't know how it comes off listening to it on the podcast, but I I have pretty clear images of who these people are, and there's certainly a lot more to discover, mm-hmm. but um, I have sort of, uh, they feel like real people to me, yeah, and they feel like people that I know how to put in conversation with each other, so... Yeah. Um, and, I, and I can sort of sympathize or empathize with all of them, um... And I can, like, see how those... I What I'm always looking for in a show, and in any kind of story, is, like, a situation where everyone can be behaving at their best, mm-hmm. and we're still getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. So, like, everybody's trying to do good. Right. And yet, we are the, affecting each other in dramatic yeah, ways. Yeah, I think we both refrain from, <clears throat> from villains. Mm-hmm. Like, we both don't really write villains and if they are there it's not really the point is not to overcome the villains it's actually for people to overcome themselves yeah well there are certain stories and story types that i think really welcome like uh a villain but i guess for me a a villain and a hero are so fantastical already it's like outside of an adventure story uh like there are i don't know i've never met a villain (laughs) In real right. life. Right, it's not real life. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, people are people can be terrible people. <laughs> sure, yeah. People can be jerks but, or uh, people can be broken in some way. Like, yeah. sort of, um, I don't know, uh, sociopaths or, or people... Right, right. Yeah, for whom... Power hungry. So, for whom social norms uh, d- don't apply or whatever. Um, and that sort of can cause bad behavior. But even that, it's like I can contextualize their behavior within, I don't know, brain chemistry or whatever. Yeah. Uh, And so what we did with these characters is we then kind of mapped out an outline. And um, I think we might keep that outline more to ourselves at this point Mm -hmm. because, you know, we don't even know. We haven't written anything yet and we don't know when we will. (laughs) Um, but, uh, basically just uh, for any of you who, who might be interested in this tidbit, you know, we mapped out these characters and then now that we had these characters in mind, we kind of put together what would be some interesting conflicts, what would be inciting incidents, yeah. what would be tension. And of course these things not only can change, but will change as we actually flesh this all out. But, uh, we mapped out in a two act structure on a whiteboard on another day. Um, and yeah, that I, I feel pretty good about what we've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the, the, um, spine of the show feels like it's there. Um, Oh, I should also add, we kind of tried to highlight when song moments made sense. Yeah. So though, yeah, yeah, just to talk about process, like we, uh, we spent all, spent a while talking about the characters and sort of building this out. And then 
just sort of went through like if this happens then what happens next what happens next what are the song moments Mm -hmm. um and we just sort of outlined that yeah um but we also at this point have no idea what the song like song style sounds like yeah so who knows anything can change we don't have a script (laughs) yeah well and so to talk about sort of next steps like i've been I don't know when this is going to happen, but I feel like we're at a point where uh, separately one of us needs to produce some piece piece of writing. Mm-hmm. Like a song or a scene. I would rather start with the music mm-hmm. just so that we know what it sounds like. Sure. Yep. And um, just sort of start getting a sense of what that is. Yeah. Because um, once we have something, then we are working off something as opposed to... Yeah. This stage of it's all in our heads. Yeah. And I think I'm also interested in, we had a brief conversation about this, of what are opportunities, whether they are out there or whether we make them for ourselves as far as giving ourselves time. Mm -hmm. Because that's just what it takes is time uh, and a place to to work. And these one-day sessions have been great, but I think now it would be really great to have like a three- to five-day session if we Mm -hmm. can. And there are... Uh, some opportunities out there to apply for uh, all around the country. Um, so, yeah, looking into those things. Uh, so what you have to look forward to is us maybe talking more about that, like mm-hmm. this maybe bird's eye view of where we're headed with this project, as well as, um, like we said, we'll share different things that might be uh, not Proxima, but are individual projects that we're working on so it's still related to writing musicals just not yeah. this one <laughs> yeah we are both writing music well, what is keeping us from writing this musical is that we are writing other other musicals, musicals. yeah <laughs> um so we can talk about that too which i'm excited to do that yeah share that stuff me too um all right what else i don't know i feel good yeah i feel good too <laughs> yeah. um Send us more emails. Like yeah, send us emails. But only from overseas. And unfortunately, we won't get to it until like 12 weeks later. But we read them. Yeah. We <laughs> read we'll everything. respond to them. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, you guys. Yeah. Season 2, Episode 2. In the can. In the can. Bye. Bye. Amwam is produced by Austin Zumbro and Min Kong. Theme song composed by Austin Zumbro, performed by Austin Zumbro and Min Kong. Logo designed by Melissa Nigro. If you like our podcast, leave us a review and subscribe.